0: Hey, while we're all stuck at home, isolating and missing the great outdoors, I want to introduce you to a great indie podcast from Wyoming in the US. It's called Out There, and it explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. This episode won a first place award from public radio news directors. Producer Sam Anderson goes hunting for the first time and finds it super confronting. And as a vegetarian, so did I. But Sam explores his questions around what it takes to pull the trigger. Are we all capable of it? And if we can take a life, what does that say about us? How does killing an animal change us? Here's his story.
1: Is it loaded right now?
2: This, it's not officially loaded until you have this in because this is what's going to create the spark that's going to fire the charge. So now it's loaded because we're going in.
1: Ever since my dad started hunting, he's been trying to bring me with him. I've never felt the desire to kill an animal, but since I was a little kid, I was fascinated with guns and knives and other tools of violence. Typical boy stuff. Deep down, I think I always wondered what it would be like to take the life of another creature. And I was curious about this ancient ritual, this masculine tradition, where you go into the woods, just you and your dad, to go hunting, and you come out changed, somehow. Maybe more grown up. We don't come from a hunting family. And though I was curious about this experience, I wasn't so curious that I tried to seek it out. My dad started hunting right around the same time I moved to New York City. And at that point in my life, spending a weekend in the woods with my old man was the last thing I wanted to do. A few years went by, and I became more involved in my new life. And less involved in his. But then, something happened. Right at the start of hunting season, my dad got a DUI, and he lost his license. My mom was pissed. Now she had to drive him to work every day, and there was no way she was going to waste a Saturday bringing him into the woods to hunt. So he came to me, his oldest son. He asked if I would go with him, and I said yes. So we loaded up his truck, and we headed out to the woods.
2: 2016. Uh, warm winter day. Sunny.
1: That's my dad. He's 48 years old and known for taking long pauses in his speech. He loves nature and he's inspired that love in me too. I think that's partly why I found myself driving him into the woods that day. It sounds cliche, but I wanted to make him proud. I wanted to share this experience to let him teach me something new the way he did it when I was younger, like how to pitch a baseball or jumpstart a car. I knew that spending a day in the woods going hunting would mean a lot to him. And it meant something to me, too. So there I was, in the car with my dad and a gun in the trunk. And it was becoming increasingly clear that I was supposed to be the one to shoot it.
2: So what we're going to do today is you're going to shoot the first shot. And then you're going to quickly hand me the rifle and i want to reload it. And if there's a second shot to be had, I'm going to take it.
1: The first shot. He wanted me to take the first shot. As soon as he said it, I started to get nervous. What if I can't do it, I thought? What if I can't pull the trigger? Will he think it's because I'm weak? Or that I don't care about him and his new favorite sport? And what about the alternative? What if I can pull the trigger? What if I am capable of killing? Sure, I used to think weapons were cool, but I've actually lived my life as a pretty peaceful person. I've never hurt anything. And I was going to start now? What does it say about my character that I'm willing to commit an act of violence just to please another person? My dad came to terms with the idea of hunting a while ago, and he says there's actually a pretty strong argument to be made in favor of killing deer.
2: That's why it's unlimited bag on does. They want you to get as many does as possible, The state there's too many deer, right? There's too many deer.
1: Now, you might not picture New Jersey as a wilderness teeming with wildlife, but we actually have a quarter million acres of rural public land, especially along the western side bordering Pennsylvania, which is where my dad and I were headed. And if you live out here, you know that the deer population is out of control. Drive down any highway, and you'll be sure to pass at least two or three deer carcasses on the side of the road. This overpopulation isn't just a hazard for drivers, it's bad for the deer there are more of them than the ecosystem can properly support. So the Division of Fish and Wildlife made a rule where you can shoot two deer every day for as long as the season
2: lasts. There was one guy the butcher told me who had 98 deer himself. In one season? In one season. That sounds absurd. Well, what do you do with all that meat? I'm sure he's not doing anything with it.
1: Hunters are definitely taking advantage of this rule. In Colorado, hunters killed about 34,000 deer last year. In New Jersey, a state that's 10 times smaller, they killed over 52,000. So yeah, we have a deer problem, and from that point of view, hunting makes sense. It serves a logical purpose, and knowing this made me feel better about the whole situation. But even though I could rationalize the logical side of it, there was still the moral side, the ethical side. I imagined a young doe with big brown eyes frolicking through the forest, with a fawn following behind her. And lurking in the bushes was me, the hunter, the enemy of everything cute and furry. When I thought of myself as the hunter pointing a gun at that innocent creature, I felt cruel and barbaric. I didn't want to be that person. We parked the truck on a gravelly road in a rural town called Alamuchi and hiked into the woods. Eventually, we came to a spot on a hillside overlooking a small valley. My dad said every morning, the herd of deer come in from the deep woods towards the houses to look for food, and each night, they return along a similar path. He was confident that the herd would pass through this valley sometime today. Our spot wasn't concealed at all, which I found surprising. As it turns out, if you're completely silent and still, the deer will look straight at you without noticing a thing. But they do have an amazing sense of smell. Luckily, my dad was prepared. So what are you doing here?
2: Spraying fox piss on this wick Oh, it smells like What's it smell like? It smells like shit It's not that bad It's pretty bad I think it's pretty cool You get used to it, I guess So that's going to just kind of be a scent That's all around here at the moment Intended to cover our stinky scent Your perfumes And deodorants. (laughs) Shampoos? (laughs) Shampoos. That's it.
1: With our scents camouflaged, we rolled out a blanket, sat down, and loaded the gun. We were using a muzzle-loading rifle, basically an updated version of the muskets used in the Revolutionary War, meaning you only get one shot.
2: You gotta be good, a little more challenging, not so easy. If you're gonna take a deer's life, you gotta... Gotta put some effort into it, make it make it more work. I don't know, I just justify it to myself better that way. So they're gonna come in somewhere through here and they're gonna make their way in here eventually. But the risk is you gotta be able to get into a shooting position and get a clean shot without them seeing you. If in if in the process they see you and you spook them enough, they're gonna run off. You wanna be able to squeeze your shot off when you know you have a good one as soon as possible, but don't want to rush it, if you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: He explained that you aim for the kill zone, the lower part of the chest that contains the heart and lungs. If I miss, if I hit the gut or the hip or the shoulder, the animal will suffer a long and painful death. My dad told me it's my responsibility to prevent this. One time, he shot a deer in the lung, but it wasn't a kill shot. The deer used its other lung to run deeper into the woods. My dad followed the trail of blood for an hour before we finally found it, and he had to gut it in the dark. I could tell that he felt bad about this.
2: <clears throat> but it's, it is exciting, actually. when you see it for the first time. See him a deer for the first time, you know, for that day. It's exciting because then, then you know, you're gonna have a shot. <clears> okay, <throat> the gun's yours.
1: We sat in silence and let the woods quiet down around us. I always thought of hunting as this very intense, action-packed sport. But it turns out that 90% of your day is spent sitting in one place, being totally silent. And during that time, your mind begins to wander. I started thinking about my dad and how he felt the need to justify his actions. How he brought up the overpopulation of deer or the idea that using a simpler gun made it more fair to the animal. He too felt bad about what he was doing. It occurred to me that maybe most hunters have experienced the same moral dilemma. Maybe they hesitate or even agonize over the decision to pull the trigger. But eventually, they do it. That's what makes them hunters. And I wondered, am I one of them? The question filled my stomach with tension. We continued to wait. As the minutes went by, the air around us grew colder. The sky grew darker. I wrapped a blanket around my legs for warmth, but my toes were numb. We hadn't moved our bodies in nearly three hours. And as the sun began to set behind the hills, I felt a sense of relief. I knew that once it got dark it was time to go home, and I wouldn't be expected to kill a deer after all. But then, in the distance, I saw something move. It was a deer, and then another. The whole herd ambled into view, five or six of them in total. They were slowly creeping towards us. I was going to have a shot. They were inching closer to our hiding spot, sniffing the ground for food and raising their heads every few seconds, looking for danger. They came closer and closer, and then the biggest doe lifted her head and looked directly at me. Her eyes were big and brown and alert, and I couldn't shake the sense that she was aware of my presence. Without thinking, my body moved into the shooting position. Her ears pricked up, as if she heard me pulling back the hammer of the gun. And in that moment, all of my human emotions disappeared. All of the fear, all of the guilt, all of the contradicting feelings that had paralyzed me with anxiety were gone. And in their place was raw sensory perception. It was like I could see and hear for miles. I had disappeared into a new reality where mind and body were one and all of my senses were concentrated on the dough. I was completely focused. Peering through the scope, I watched the crosshairs float across her soft, golden fur. I took a deep breath. The clearing filled with smoke and deer sprinted away in all directions. I expected the doe to drop dead where she was standing, but when the smoke cleared, there was nothing there. We scrambled down the hillside. We approached the spot where the deer should have been. See anything? There was nothing. The clearing was empty.
2: We just gotta keep looking around in this area. There's blood. if we all never find it, then we missed.
1: We scanned the leaves for drops of blood. Even if I hit the doe, it could have kept running, so we continued to search. What? Well, you found the trail? Did you find it? No, I didn't see any blood. Where is
2: it?
1: Right there. Oh, shit. There was the doe, sprawled out on her side, her legs pointing out stiffly. Her tongue was hanging out of her blood-covered mouth. There was no question. This animal was dead. I knelt down next to the doe and put my hand on her belly.
2: That's weird. That's really... It's warm still, right? Yeah, it's really warm. You feel the body. Big ears. Giant ears.
1: And eyelashes, too, just like the cartoons.
2: <laughs>
1: and their feet.
2: are they cool, the feet?
1: And their hooves are soft. They have pads on the
2: bottom. Yeah, and they're like soft, flexible toes. They're not like a hard hoof like a horse. Yeah. Beautiful beast. Huh? Truly. Really... But that's a good shot. We didn't travel very far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good job, though. You got them. We got. Them. That means we're gonna go dump this one off at the butcher and pick up the last week's, bring it home. Yeah. And uh, we're a success. We got three for the season so far. Congratulations. What do you think? Well, <laughs> <I'm> not
1: so <laughs> sure right now. <laughs> <laughs> not quite so sure what I think about this. In that moment, kneeling over the body of the lifeless doe, I felt different. Something had changed. Moments ago, I was watching this creature. And it was watching me. There were two of us. Two creatures in the woods, coexisting. And then, I pulled the trigger. And suddenly, one less life in the world. And yet, Touching the body that I consciously destroyed. I didn't feel sad. I felt a feeling of power It wasn't a good feeling But it wasn't exactly bad either It was a sensation of total control over my environment. I felt like an athlete after winning a race when that natural high fills your body with warmth and confidence and the feeling that nothing is beyond your reach By that time, the sun had gone down, and we still had to gut the animal. We put on our headlamps. That's when I realized the ordeal was far from over.
2: Oh, here, there's your shot. There you so you were a little high. A little bit. From high. the looks of it, from outside. But let's see. We'll know for sure once we get inside and we'll see the organs. Where you got. I don't think I want to get inside and see the organs. <laughs> <laughs> if this is the part. To, you might, know, you know, This is what you gotta do, though. You just did the, the fun part. Now the, now the work starts.
1: He pulled out two knives, a small folding one and a big hunting knife.
2: So the first thing you do is you cut a hole around its anus. Either or not. Wow, really? Yep. That's how you do. So what you got to do is you cut around the ass. And then when you got it, you're pulling everything out, so you're going to pull that right out from the front. So this is difficult. That was the hardest part, really.
1: Oh, it's fucking disgusting.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's going to be. That's really horrible. When you get down to the red, that's the muscle. Yeah.
1: Wow. The skin is really just like it just peels off like a layer. Just like a... You, like The muscle looks just like you think a muscle would look.
2: Oh, yeah. Just like a human.
1: Using the smaller knife, my dad made one long incision <sighs> along the belly of the animal,
2: exposing its organs. All right, so take a look. Trachea. It's like a corrugated tube. Oh, wow. See it? Yeah. So I'm going to cut this. This is the artery or vein. This is a blood vessel. When I cut that, some blood's going to spurt out, but... You cut that, the trachea, and I guess the esophagus is right with it. And you just pull it all out and it just kind of rip it from the back. And everything comes with it? Yeah, until you get down here. Then you gotta mess around with the ass again. But uh, this is going smooth. So let me cut this. Just cut right through it. that was some food he just ate. Oh, wow, look at that. And then you stick your finger in there. Oh, wow. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, this is where you made a mess of the thing when you were shot. Oh.
1: My dad tipped the deer on its side, and all of the guts just kind of flopped out onto the ground.
2: Let me just flop him over, over. Up. Make sure I got everything.
1: And that's when it really hit me. Seeing the insides of this creature in a pile on the forest floor with steam and the putrid smell of rotting meat rising into the air was truly revolting. I already knew that I was responsible for the fate of this doe, but I realized that pulling the trigger is the easy part. Hunters have a euphemism for the gutting process. They call it field dressing, but what it really is, is just stabbing and cutting a warm body with a knife. The reality is intimate and brutal and totally animalistic. There's no other way to describe it. And yet, I couldn't look away.
2: This is dirty work. Yeah, dirty work, but you do it quick as possible and you're done with it. What do we do with all these organs that are just all That's these the organs? What? This here? Yeah. Come back tomorrow morning or tomorrow? Completely gone, no signs of it. None of this, all this blood's gonna be licked up and eaten by, who? by the woods.
1: By the woods, he mostly means coyotes, turkey vultures, and black bears.
2: let's take a look at what you did.
1: The final step was to open up the chest cavity and remove the heart and lungs.
2: So this is all torn up, lungs. Oh, wow. Torn through here, this is the heart.
1: What should we do with the heart? Should we eat it?
2: No, I don't usually eat the heart, but I do.
1: (laughs) I was kidding. I was not going to eat that heart.
2: I do tend to like to hold it and see it and feel it as a matter of a ritual, I guess.
1: My dad held the heart in his hand. It was big, about the size of a grapefruit. He gestured for me to take it into my hand, but I couldn't. I accepted the fact that I was responsible for killing this doe, but I wasn't ready to embrace it as a victory like he was. It was just too much. My dad put down the heart, and we tied a rope around the doe's legs. And started dragging the carcass back towards the road.
2: That's it. It's a matter of getting it out of the woods into your truck.
1: When we dropped the dough off at the butcher, my dad proudly told the man that it was my first kill. He even sent a picture to the rest of the family. I had set out to make him proud, and I achieved that goal. So, what about me? I had gone into this thinking I might secretly be disgusted with myself if I actually killed an animal, but as it turns out, I was pretty proud of myself too. Successfully shooting a deer made me feel strong and powerful and self-reliant in a way that I had never felt before. It's been about a year since I had that experience, and looking back now, I realize that hunting does change your perspective. It forces you to realize just how difficult it was for our ancestors to obtain food for their families. It made me appreciate both the physical skill and the emotional intensity of the sport. And it helped me to accept the fact that hunting is not just a hobby. For many people in the world, it's a way of life. But those realizations are all kind of academic. On a more personal level, I've realized that hunting does not actually change who you are. I'm not a different person, just because I took the life of another animal. When it came down to it, pulling the trigger wasn't that hard. In fact, it was almost innate. So maybe I was always capable of violence. I just hadn't acted on it until now. Maybe we're all capable of violence, even the most peace-loving among us.
0: Thanks to Willow Bowden and Out There for sharing Sam Anderson's story with us check out Out There's collection of stories about transformations and the natural world. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts.
2: My business used to be
1: weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly.